Twas the night before Christmas, and all through the sorority house. A creature was stirring, except it wasn't a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that the police soon would be there. The sisters were nestled all snug in their beds, as a sister was suffocated in the attic just overhead. The house mother was hooked, and her neck was snapped, as she lay down for her long winter's nap. When up in the attic there arose such a clatter, Jess sprang from her bed to see what was the matter. And what to her wondering eyes should appear, but a blood trail to the attic and her worst fears. A black Christmas to all, and to all a good night. This is It Records. Welcome everybody back to the It Records podcast, all you creatures of the night. I am one of your hosts here as always, Matt Johnson. Joined with, you know them, you know them by now. They're here as well, it's not just me. We don't. <laughs> We don't speak yeah. anymore. <laughs> We're on non-speaking terms. Yeah. yeah, I kind of just have to coax them into talking to me because we have a feud here at the It Records podcast. <laughs> how'd that start again? What's that? I said, how'd that start again? Um, it's when I took over as the host by myself and you guys were always the reoccurring guests that you just show up every so often. And <laughs> oh, so that's like a few months strong then, huh? Yeah, we have irreconcilable differences. I can't say the word, but it's a thing. <laughs> it's hard to say. There's a lot of there's a lot of like vowels in there. I don't know. Yeah, they get... <laughs> consonants, all that stuff. Yeah, gets all messed up in my mouth when I sound stupid. But yes, it records fans out there listening through the airwaves. If you didn't pick up from my less than subtle. Intro. Matt's dad, special shout-out. <laughs> shout-out to my pops. What's up, Tony? <laughs> uh, funny thing is, he probably will listen to this. But, okay. Um, <laughs> we watched the 1974 slasher Black Christmas, directed by Bob Clark, this, this week on the podcast. Hello? Who are you? For God's sake, what are you doing? Who is it? I'm going to kill you. Also directed a Christmas story and Porky's and some other movies. I don't know. Those are the only two I remember. Hmm. Yeah, those are the big ones I remember, and it's always funny that he's known for two Christmas movies that couldn't be more opposite. Yeah, you know, he uh he's a weirdo. He's <laughs> a real weirdo. He is. He's he's gotta be you gotta be a fucking weirdo to make a horror movie. I feel like it's like a prerequisite. You know, I was like, gonna say to... well-rounded, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, did you go to school? Nah. Okay, fine. But are you weird? Yes. All right. Come on. Yeah, I got a movie for you. <laughs> Picture this: <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> Black. I like it. I like it. This was Lindsay's choice this week. So, yeah. What drew you to Black Christmas? Well, I think I had picked the remake for, um, which came out in 2006 for our remakes, uh, mini episode a while back, and 
so I had talked about that one, and I talked about how I didn't like it, and um, I wanted to eventually get to this point in a lot better time than the middle of July, right? <laughs> so here we are. Hey, it's halfway Christmas, right? Isn't that a thing mm-hmm. from Workaholics? Isn't that a thing? I don't remember. Christmas in July. I didn't really watch the show. Is that what that's it is? Something. That's what I was going for. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a something. Yeah, that's something in culture. <laughs> yeah. So you were, is this the first time you've seen the original, or or no? Um, no, this okay. is the second time second. that I've seen it, but it's been a number of years, so it was pretty much like watching it all over again. So Nice. Have you guys nice you've seen it before? Peter, I know you said you had. Matt, you said you had as well. I have, but it's been a while. Just like you said, it's been a while since I've watched the original one. So I was excited and very happy to watch yeah. it again. I think it's been like, yeah, it's been a few years for me. I think I showed my girlfriend it like, two years ago something like that mm-hmm. when I got it on Blu-ray yeah. so if you haven't seen Black Christmas um, at all it, it kind of follows what I, I gave in the lead is just there's some killer we see we follow them and they are in this sorority house and one by one he kind of picks off the sorority members um, by calling them and for horror significance we can get into that now as we go through the plot but it is considered and debatable one of the first real slashers or the tropes that we know today as slashers because it predates Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Didn't, um, yeah, I read this, I didn't know this, but uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out earlier that same year. So it was one of the first for sure. And the first like seasonal um, horror movie within a holiday. Mm-hmm. So it's got that claim to fame as well. Yeah, it did that with the holidays and kind of that, that trope with slashers is it's always on like an anniversary if you have all those sequels, so it's always a holiday. And this is, yeah, the first one to do anything like that, which is pretty interesting. And Yeah, I was trying to think when the first occurrence was of like holiday in like horror. Cause it's kind of like, it's so funny because like it works well with horror because like Christmas is so the opposite mm-hmm. of like... What's in a horror movie? And then they're like, oh shit, we did Christmas a lot. What other holidays can we do? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And this came out December 20th, 74. So right around Christmas as well. And for some reason, horror movies do pretty well when you release them in December. Like, like Scream, they were released in December and have a huge box office number. So there's got to... I think it's because it's just like it's just like against everything that's going on at the same time. Because like around that time, it's all these like happy Christmas movies, and then people are like, "Ugh!" Like if you see so many of them, you get bored, and you're like, "Oh, this horror movie that's totally different." I feel like it just kind of like is a nice to get away from all the other type of movies that are out. Yeah, it's probably right. But uh, in terms of the slasher, once you mentioned Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And that just only came out two months, less than two months, actually, before this one. So oh, okay. That was pretty close. At, like, the same time. That's, yeah. Uh, that was very close. Yeah. And we actually talked about Black Christmas a lot in other episodes. Mm-hmm. I think definitely we had a similar conversation in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think I might have argued that it, it's one of the first slashers. Uh, and then we mentioned Black Christmas, where I think they both are. But I even give a nod to... Black Christmas a little more just because it, it has that I don't know that that teenage vibe that we think of with uh, 
and it's in that uh, centralized setting of the house. You don't really know the killer or anything. Uh, There's a lot of groundworks going on for typical slasher fare. The only thing that's like different, it doesn't. It like has the last girl kind of, mm-hmm. but it's like doesn't follow like the trope of like what it came to be. Because like I find the main actress to be like very progressive in this time mm-hmm. like she's like really independent and like you know there's we could go into it later but she's like it's a pretty it's i find it pretty progressive for the time mm-hmm. yeah and i like that a lot about the characters in this one where even bob clark called it more of like a psychological horror or like a, a mystery because you do get a lot of the characters like they they, they do really feel three-dimensional compared to many other slashers where you get your stereotypes that we've, we've even talked about, where each of them you kind of get a backstory and you kind of feel for them because it kind of almost seems like a mystery unraveling with this one. Yeah, there's a little more setup that it, like, I think they do it in a good way. Like, they, like, just give you just enough information to kind of, like, care about certain people. Like, there's some people that you just are there to get killed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, definitely, for sure. Like, uh, but I think I'm trying to think who even that is. <laughs> I was thinking that was, I think it's Barb or Babs, um, who was like the one who was always <laughs> drinking and kind of like bad mouthing some of the ro- the roommates. I was like, something's gonna, <laughs> yeah, she's yeah, something's going to happen to her at some point. Well, she was the one who was kind of like coercing, you know, the like I think the first call that they get, you know, she's kind of like coming back and I'm hot, you know. Kind of encouraging him, I think. So it's like you know something's coming for her later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think more than talking about the slasher and how this might have set up for Halloween four years later, this one might be even more giallo inspired, which we've talked about with like Torso we did and Suspiria, mm-hmm. which led to American slashers. A lot of those are like the POV cams. Uh, the unknown killer, the shadowy killer, and the um, who you don't really see, which we get that in this one. We never really see the killer for most of the film, but you know that person's in the house based on the POV cam. So a lot of that reminded me of Giallo, which again is a precursor to slasher. Yeah, we. I feel like we need to do more of those because we only did one, and that was pretty early on. It's just like you said, Torso was the only one we've done, mm-hmm. and like. When I watched that for the first time, I was like, holy shit, there's so many slasher-esque things in here, but there's a lot of, like, different things, too, that make it its own thing. Oh, absolutely. I agree. Um, One thing that I was going to say kind of differentiates is with Giallo, they do a lot of stylized killings with, like, the blood, the torso you see in Suspiria, even, where it's, like, very visual. Um, You don't really see so much blood in this film, if I remember. It's But there are some stylized deaths, but... It's not as gory by any means. Yeah, different. I guess even the first Friday the 13th is like, it's gorier, but not like its sequels. Like the sequels, they just like really amped up like the gore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what's always interesting to me is this one, Black Christmas has a remake we touched on. Never had any sequels, though. It never inspired anything different compared like, you know, Friday the 13th. Halloween's, all these other ones had multiple sequels. This one just by standalone. 
you know, something that Bob Clark actually did want to do a sequel. I guess not. So this, I, this is like old information. So I don't remember how good my memory is, but I saw a video. I think it was like Bob Clark kind of talking shit about John Carpenter. Mm -hmm. I want to say because, um, John Carpenter was like a big fan of black Christmas And then he asked Bob Clark, like, oh, if he ever did a sequel, what would you do? And then he said he would do Halloween. So, like, and, like, John Carpenter obviously did Halloween and, like, with the killer POV that is very Black Christmas inspired. So I think Bob Clark's think that John Carpenter stole from him is how I remember the video. I... I can corroborate that and say, yeah, um, I've, I've seen that interview as well with Bob Clark, and even even more so that I think he took the idea as Bob Clark said he wanted to do Halloween. If he ever did a sequel, calling it Halloween, and it would be the killer from Black Christmas breaking out of an asylum, which Mike Myers does at the oh, beginning man. of Halloween. So it's it's That's almost rough. the same movie that Bob Clark would have done. Huh. Yeah. But... Halloween is a great slasher movie, nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, it's like he ever like maybe he did like he was inspired from the movie, you know, like and made his own movie. You can't really fault John Carpenter for that. Maybe he took the name and like one little tidbit about it, but like who hasn't done that in movies? Yeah. You know, you can't just like blame john carpenter when they all do it (laughs) there was no script or anything it was yeah he liked this director's movie and he took that director's comment and took it yeah yeah and it sucks for bob clark because i mean you didn't do anything with it Mm -hmm. so if you didn't want if you wanted to do something with it you should have yeah he i mean with that ending you know which we can talk more about it later but you know he left it so ambiguous so it makes me think that, you know, he was having, you know, some sort of sequel in mind, but nothing ever came of it. So, I mean, it works, you know, on its own, but it also would have been like a great setup for something else to come along. Yeah. Could you imagine if Halloween, what we know is John Carpenter's would have never existed and it would have been in the black Christmas universe. Like those two movies would have been in the same universe. There would be no Halloween by itself. Probably might not have been the same as John Carpenter's, but that would have been awesome. Awesome? You think it would have been better, a part of the Black Christmas universe? I think John Carpenter's Halloween is amazing, the first one, but if it was Bob Clark's idea, and I think Black Christmas is a great, and it started the slasher, a lot of the slasher tropes. There's other ones that, you know, helped bring that about. But if he had it as an extension of Black Christmas already, the idea of, it would be another hol- another holiday. It would be Halloween this time. The person who was in, uh, the culprit in Black Christmas was breaking out of the asylum in Halloween. It, it kind of seems like it's similar to what John Carpenter was going to do. Might not have been the same feeling, but it would it, it it just would have been the same universe: Black Christmas and Halloween. Yeah, I would like the idea of him like doing. It just makes me think of doing like a holiday. Like yeah. series of slashers, which I think would be pretty cool, but like I respect the Halloween series so much, even though there's some trash in mm-hmm. there. Like I like 
enough of the sequels to where I'm glad to where it is. Even though the new trailer confuses me, how sidestepping here, it pretty much like just negates every Halloween movie, which they have already done in the movies series. When the, with H2O came out, when Jamie Lee Curtis came back, they just like, okay, fucking Halloween 3 through 6 didn't fucking happen. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> and then they kill her off in the next fucking movie. And then this one, she's fucking alive. Yeah. And like, no, this is this is Halloween 2. Yeah. It's crazy. Thought, <laughs> and they're like, I thought Michael Myers was the brother. No, that's just shit people said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty confusing, but... I'm probably still gonna go see it. <laughs> That's also what makes me love horror movies when they do shit like that. They just like they're like, no, didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> like it's just so funny to mm-hmm. me. Like I was talking. I'm sorry, I'm going off on a little tangent right now. So there's this like event in Chicago that I'm going to called the Massacre, and I do like 24 hours of horror movies at a theater mm-hmm. around here. And they were really excited about Zombie 3, directed by Fulci. Mm. And then Kanye was like, oh, like, I've never heard of this. Like, they seem really excited about it, though. I'm like, that's because it's Fulci. And I was like, and it's like a pretty recent, I think it's like a newer release from Severn Films or whatever the distributor is. And then I was like, it's like, (laughs) it's not even related to Zombie 2, which is supposed to be a sequel to dawn of the dead because dawn of the dead was called zombie one just called zombie in italy and it was a cash grab calling it zombie two and it has nothing to do with dawn of the dead just it has zombies mm-hmm. and in zombie three it has nothing to do with zombie two even though it's the same fucking director yeah <laughs> you know what i mean it's just like shit like that it's mm-hmm. just like we're gonna totally lie to you and we're just gonna make put it for rewind i just think yeah. No other genre does no, that, and it's hilarious. Yeah, to that's me. a good point. Yeah, you can only get away with that in the horror genre. I feel like yeah. that's good. End tangent. <laughs> so I was gonna ask how you guys. I mentioned how this one kind of felt like a psychological horror or mystery. How did you guys like the pacing of this one? Did it feel like? A normal slasher to you or I think, you know. I think it's very well paced. I I wouldn't say it's it's hard to say because like early slashers are much slower. Mm-hmm. Um but I feel like a lot was happening in this movie as compared to other slashers. Like like the phone calls and like That's an... this like weird shit going on. Like the phone calls are so yeah. creepy. Those are the one oh, of the creepiest like it's so early on it's like i know it's not the first like stranger call i know there's like obviously when a stranger oh no actually when a stranger calls is afterwards oh, yeah, that's, this is a movie that started that trope as well where the stranger's in the house calling from the set. yeah yeah we go spoiler yeah <laughs> with like the first time there was like a creepy phone call was like Thing. I can't remember the name of the movie, but it's like a, it's from the '60s, and it's like I can't even think of the guy's. He's in another Italian. I think it's a Bava film. Okay, Mario Brava. Um, and it's like 
What it's called when there's three different stories in a in a movie. You know what I mean? Like there's like short stories in a movie that make a whole movie. It's not. Oh, I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not sure. No. I'm like totally blanking on the name. And yeah, I know what you're saying, but nothing's coming wow. to mind. Yep. Just don't know the yeah. words. But you understand what I'm saying, right? But like the interconnected story. Right? Yeah. There's just three separate short stories in this movie, and that's what that movie is. Okay. There was one one, one thing. Anthology. Anthology, okay. Got um, it. Anthology. Right? That's how you say that word? An- anthology? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got it, man. So, there was one person in this movie, and I, I'm pretty sure I'm right about this. I didn't double check it, but the police officer in this movie, Lieutenant Fuller, is also a police officer in another classic horror film. Uh, he is. Pete, do you know which one? I, I was thinking you would know them more than it. Fuck. It's one of your favorites, I feel like. Or you've talked about this series. But he's the police officer in this movie. He's also the father of the yeah. main character. Scream? No. Uh-uh, earlier. This, it, it probably came out... I would say less than a decade after this one. So he's still fairly young. Oh, fucking Nightmare on Elm Street. Yep. Mm-hmm. He is the police officer That's in right. Nightmare on Elm Street, too. Mm-hmm. I was like trying to think because I knew, I knew he was a police officer, and then I totally blanked out when you asked me. Like, he put me on the spot. I'm like, oh, everything I know is gone from me now. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. What's your name? I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that one stuck out to me. That he was also in the first Nightmare on Elm Street. And Andrea Martin, who plays Phil in this movie, she's the woman with, she was the one with glasses. I think the one with glasses. She's the only one who appeared in the remake. So she, she made an appearance in the remake of Black Christmas. Really? She was actually the house mother in the huh. original. I mean, she was? She's the house mother in the remake, yeah. Wow. Oh, that's, at least they did that. That's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the main actress is Lois Lane in Superman with uh, Christopher Reeve. Jess is the main character in this Black Christmas? Yeah. Okay, I knew one of them was Lois Lane at some point. <laughs> yeah, she she was Lois Lane in at least three of them. I don't know if mm-hmm. she ever came for Quest for Peace. Is that four? Quest for Peace? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I haven't even seen three and four. I've just seen the first two. Seen both cuts because there's two cuts of it. <laughs> is Richard Pryor in Superman three? Yeah. Uh, yes, he is. All right, good. My memory's still there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's the bad guy. He is. He's like su- <laughs> super computer guy. He like knows computers, I think, or something like that. Of, like, of all people to get, like, you get a comedian to be like someone who's a mad genius. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. That's hilarious. I feel like that's like, like Gene Wilder, like another comedian. Like they they work together a lot. Like mm-hmm. you won't believe that he's a fucking like super genius with computers. No, not at all. <laughs> so this was a uh, getting towards the end of the show, but this was a critical success. I think we've said that because it. You know, paved the way for the slasher genre going forward, but I don't think it was a critical success at all in the United States. I mean, not a critical, but a commercial success. Box office, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. No, it didn't make it didn't make much money. I think it's just like bad mm-hmm. advertising. You know, it's. I just feel like Canadian films just didn't do very well in the United States oh. for a long time. Oh, jeez, that's yeah. You bring that up. This was released in Canada. It was a Canadian American film. Uh, okay. Distributed by Warner Brothers. Now, it was budget six hundred. Sorry, budget six hundred. Geez, six hundred twenty thousand. Box office four million. So it was. It made. Oh, okay. Not a huge that's, success. That's, I mean, it, it it did its job. You know. Exactly. They got it. That's more. That's better than I thought it. Yeah. Than I thought it did. Like, mm-hmm. it made over twice its budget back. So. Yeah. Now, looking at these. Uh, numbers, this is a little interesting because I said Texas Chainsaw Massacre was released in October and then this one was released in December, right before Christmas. Okay. It was actually released in December in, in the United States. In Canada, it was released October 11th of 1974. And Texas Chainsaw Massacre was October 1st. So it did. Oh my God. It just barely beats it out for. I mean, debatable which one you think was the first slasher, but really close, very, very close. I mean, you had to think like when they made it, like they're like pretty much writing it at the same fucking time. They were in the works <laughs> around the same yeah. time, and probably had no contact with each other. <laughs> no, yeah, not at all. Because mm-hmm. why would they? <laughs> yeah. So I think we can get to the point if we don't have any more trivia if we want to defend or destroy the 1974 Black Christmas. Yeah, we haven't really talked about the movie itself a whole lot too, but we could at least go that we could at least go with that with our while we defend it or destroy it. Sure, yeah. We could do that. Well, I'll start. All um, right. <laughs> I'm going to give us one to defend um to me, unsurprisingly, it was a lot better than the remake. Um, I appreciate what the remake was trying to do when they gave the killer in that one more of a backstory. Um, but for me, it didn't seem to really execute that well for whatever reason. Um, with this one, there's a complete lack of a backstory. We don't see the killer's face at all in this one. Um, I think it leads, leaves the audience wanting a whole lot more. Um, and all that being said, it contributed to the, like, eerie and terrifying and, uh, overall unsettling tone of the movie. Um, you know, with making the killer, like, completely unknowable to the audience, um, leaves a lot more of that suspense factor. Um, I think that's what makes it considered to be, like, so successful even all these years later. Um, and I know that, uh, with the director, like, he was really, really insistent on, um, keeping that ending as open as it is, um, even though I think I read that the studio wanted more of a conclusion. Um, so, yeah, um, I think, again, all of that mystery, like, this movie being shrouded in such mystery, uh, makes it what it is, and successful, and worthy of a watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll piggyback off that. I defend it as well, as I said it. In the horror significance, it's regarded as one of the first slashers, which became more popular in the late 70s and the 80s, especially. But I think that, um, as Lindsay was saying, that ambiguous ending where you don't even know the killer, but you know the killer's kind of out there. 
um, leaves a lot to be desired and keeps you on the edge of your seat and even scared for maybe what will happen next. And I think that, that was definitely intentional by Bob Clark. I thought the the pacing of this one, the story, it was basically like a mystery search party that the killer was always in the house, even though they were trying to find out where their friends were. They didn't know they were dead because they were always up in the attic. Yeah. So you, as the viewer, knew because of the point of view of the killer. We saw where the, the killer was going, but the characters didn't know. So it kind of is, is, is shaped and framed like a normal film, and the characters act like that. But we know something ominous is going on as the audience member. And I thought that was a really well-done way to shoot the film. Um, so, yeah, I'm defending it. And I was going to mention something. Oh, with the the remake that didn't really pan out the same as... Bob Clark was on the remake as an executive producer. Oh, and, that's so sad. Yeah, and... He was fine with them doing like a backstory, which is again different than the original because he didn't know the killer. But I did some research, and apparently, like Harvey Weinstein, the Weinstein Company came in and were like, "Oh God, you need more blood and guts. You need more kills. You need to make make it more gruesome and kind of change the script from what Bob Clark and the director were going to do." So that might have had some influence on the way it actually turned out. And yeah, I'll. I'll finish off that defend with trivia that this movie was also going to be called Stranger in the House and Silent Night, Evil Night, or possible other titles. I'm glad it was Black Christmas. I kind of like that the best. <laughs> I do too. And it leaves away because there's Silent Night, Bloody Night and Silent Night, Deadly Night, right? Those are horror movies. Those are both horror movies, yeah. Yeah, so it kind of gets away from the confusion of being connected to those at all. Also, they more around Santa Claus, but they are Christmas horror movies. Yes, they are. <laughs> and Santa's sleigh. <laughs> I've also seen that one. <laughs> yeah, obviously, I defend this one. Um, God, what, what can I even say about this movie? Um, I think it's a, kind of like one of the later movies that still kind of like wowed me. Um, I feel like when I was, like, on a, like, grind of, like, just watching horror movie after horror movie, like, I still liked a lot of them, but there wasn't ones that, like, I was like, oh, shit, this is, like, really good. Um, I feel like I don't get that too much anymore. Maybe I'm, like, desensitized or whatever, but there's just, like, a lot of, like, I, I guess you'd say iconic, like, because they're really, like, in-depth, like, ways of killing people, as fucked up as that sounds, like, it makes you... It kind of sticks with you, like, with the... Kills the girl in the attic, and then she's, like, covered in, like... I don't know, like, a dress bag or some shit. I don't even fucking know what it is. Mm -hmm. But it's really creepy. And... And I think just the whole time, it's just got a great pace. Like, there's always, like, something going on. There's this mystery. There's, like, shit going wrong. And just kind of, like, sets up a lot. And then, obviously, because it just sets up, like, a whole fucking genre from... 1974 and townwards. <laughs> mm -hmm. right, so you you have another unanimous defend from the It Records podcast gang for the Black Christmas. So get out and watch it. 1974. I do recommend, I would say, I guess, if you watch the 74 to see what the remake is like. Because it does change it up a little bit. It's not a direct remake. So if you like 74, at least watch 
the 2006 to see why we don't really defend it as much as the original. I've never seen it actually. Yeah, there's a lot more. Ba- I've heard backstory. I've heard it's not good. <laughs> yeah, bloodier. A lot more backstory into Billy and Agnes, which we don't really even know in this one, except towards no. the ver- yeah at the very end. It's like one line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, it was gonna that was gonna be my outro. I was gonna be Agnes, like trying to do the impression of. Oh, it still can. It could still be yeah. your outro. <laughs> Billy. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's yeah. a good flawless impression. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like breathing. <gasps> yeah. Heavy breathing. Yeah, like and screeches and squeals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those pig noises. Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. All right, well, that will wrap it up this week for Black Christmas. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. We're on the internet, Facebook, Twitter. We got a website. Let us know what you're thinking, and we'll do a movie or a mini episode that you, our favorite fans, want us to do. But until next time, I am Matt Johnson, and I remain in the shadows. All right, here it goes. Hey, Agnes, it's me, Billy. It's really hard to. I don't know.